I got stumped last night with a great question. What jazz player will we think of differently at the end of the season than we think of them now? Rookies not allowed. What's your answer? Next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider today on Locked On Jazz. Last night at a super cool event at Topgolf, which I'll share with you, I got asked what jazz player in a group, what jazz player will we think of most differently at the end of the season? That was a great question. I was actually kind of flustered. I'll put some parameters around it and we'll discuss it. And we'll do our Eastern Conference points gained offensive rankings in which the Milwaukee Bucks do not come out well. What is wrong with my numbers? Nothing. They're my numbers. So I always defend them. No, I don't know. We'll talk about it. Uh, this is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast in the Utah Jazz. Giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan. Each and every day, we are free and available on all podcasting apps, as well as YouTube. And our YouTube question of the day is exactly what I just shared with you. Which player will you think differently of at the end of the season? So put that in the YouTube comment sections or tweet them at me, X them at me, whatever you do now, at DLock09 if you're listening the old school way, which we still love and appreciate immensely, which is the podcast, which is what we made our name on, which we still do a lot of. All right, I have a bunch of little things uh, before we delve in today. Um, yesterday there was a fundraiser five for the fight fundraiser at top golf. And I just was super amazed by who our players are. Um, I was walking by the various bays and there's John Collins sitting here talking with the one family and Lowry talking to another and Kelly interacting with another. And, um, you know, they're obviously there for that, but they're also probably pretty, um, tired. They just were great. They just were all great. Um, it was super impressive. I got to see, uh, I was super impressed with Cindy Bailey's swing. Thurl's wife, she just nailed it a few times. Um, looked like a golfer. No comment on Thurl's. No, Thurl was fine. Thurl, was, Thurl loves golf. Thurl's big. Um, but all the guys were out there. It was kind of funny to watch them. Lowry trying to swing with regular clubs. Kelly Olenek went Mike Trout at Top Golf. If anybody's ever seen Mike Trout at Top Golf, Kelly Olenek um, kind of went uh, big time on one in there by the way today's episode is brought to you by game time download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase all right so in the midst of that i was in a conversation with some friends uh, including rambu and was asked which jazz player will we think of differently at the end of the season and i gotta admit like i thought it was an awesome question now Did I have a hard time with it? I'm making fun of myself here because I'm so like self-assured in what I think of everyone that the idea that I was going to like be possibly have a different opinion, like the way we did about Lowry at the end of the year last year um, is, you know, of course that would never happen. No, I don't think so. Um, But clearly the question was kind of, is anyone, and I think what we saw with Lowry's 
crazy difficult to do. So let me just put a few parameters. I'm gonna I'm gonna put no rookies allowed in your answers. Here's why. Whatever opinion you have on the rookies or hope you have for the rookies is actually solely based on the fact that they were drafted by the Utah Jets. If Taylor Hendricks had gone eight to Indiana, you wouldn't think about him for one second or one minute, or you wouldn't have any expectations on him or hope for him at all. Because you haven't thought about Jarese Walker for a single moment. Right? And Bryce Sensabaugh, who you love because only because the Utah Jazz drafted him. Right? Like, you can tell me, oh, I watched him, I loved him. Yeah, I kind of, I did. And I loved his offensive game. But we haven't been to practice. We don't really have any idea where they are. We haven't seen. So I just think on draft picks, like you're not talking about, though I am hearing that Julian uh, Strather is having an unbelievable camp in Denver. And Nick Smith Jr. in Charlotte, the two picks taken on each side of Bryce Sensabaugh, you're not really thinking about. And Kobe Brown of the Clippers was rather unimpressive. And Ben Shepard of the Pacers, I literally have no idea what he's done in camp or anything about him. I think he went to Belmont. Um so I just think rookies, I'm taking them off the list. You got why. If you don't buy that, that's fine. So let's start with the two second-year guys. I do think that, like, Walker, like, there is a real chance. We're very, very high on Walker Kessler. There's a real chance the league thinks about Walker Kessler very differently. Like, there's a real chance that Walker Kessler puts together for 80 games what he did for 30 games and work decent defensively and he's in the conversation for defensive player of the year it seems fairly early for a second year player to do that but my memory is that jaron jackson was kind of in that conversation pretty quickly in his career and jaron jack i I think walker's the best defensive player to enter the league since jaron jackson did in night in 1819 and 1920 1920 jaron jackson though offensively kind of exploded too he averaged 17 points a game um, he had 1.6 blocks. Um, he was in foul trouble all the time because that's Jaron Jackson. Um, he didn't rebound at all at that stage of his career. So I, I actually think there's Walker could have a bigger influence from a rebounding and block shot standpoint. But Jaron Jackson to me is like kind of the best young defensive player we've seen in the league. Um, <clears throat> and has been two-time all-defensive team. I, I think Walker could very easily be all-defensive team. And so to me, kind of the first answer was Walker. Like we think of him now as this appealing, young, developing player who we have much higher on our radar than most of the league. And I think there's a real chance Walker could be a defensive force. Like a Robert Williams probably was at some point in time, um, or at least what they hoped Robert Williams was going to be in Boston when he kind of entered, I think, in the 2019 season. But he didn't do that till his third or fourth year. He was a non-factor. I think he was sub 30 games in his first few seasons in the league. So Walker, I think, is probably the most, would be the most common answer here um, of players because of that. Ochai is really interesting. Ochai, I think, is going to really get time. It's telling to me that when I sat down and did the min- my first bracket of like, or the first breakdown of minutes this year, and we did, and I did Ochai Abaji. My memory is I had him suddenly playing something absurd, like forty-six minutes. Like I just felt like you had I had him starting at the two um, with Jordan, and then when Lowry checked out the game, I had him moving to the three for Lowry, and then I had him on the floor because somebody had to guard the best defensive player. And then you know when Lowry, so I suddenly had him. The only thing that 
Will's not doing. Will's not starting him. Which because you actually can't play him forty six minutes a night like I did, and so I think Ochai. As I, I've talked about this earlier, I think if you look at our way our substitution patterns are going, it, at the most, I think Lowry's playing 20 minutes a night at the three. Five minutes to start the half, five minutes to end the half is the way it looks. It doesn't look like there's going to be any Lowry at the three minutes in the middle there. So if Lowry's playing 30, 20 minutes a night at the three, there's 28 minutes a night available at the three. I think Ochai's going to get 28 minutes a night of that of that time. Now, one of the things that Will's done recently, very creatively and very impressively, is gone and played this four-guard line. But Ochai's a part of it, and he's kind of the four. So I actually think there's a real chance that Ochai could play a lot of minutes this year and be a bona fide, established rotation player. I don't think Ochai is a bona fide, established rotation player right now. What? He's our guy. Okay, if I viewed Ochai, as I always try to do, through the lenses of being on... Let's use the Indiana Pacers. They see if, if Ochai played for the Indiana Pacers last year, my take on Ochai would be, all right, interesting. Let's see. He played, he didn't play till the 42nd game of the year. Then he played kind of while the Jazz were still putting out kind of all-out effort. And, you know, till the 60th game of the year, he played about 20 games where he was kind of an 21 minute a night player, 53% from the field and 45% from three. Pretty great. Like rotation player in that 20 game stretch where it seemed, and then he closed the year in a 20 game stretch in which he suddenly shot 39% from the field and 33% from three with much increased role. That's not so good. And so I'd still be like, okay, let's see where he fits. Like if year one told me anything on him, he wasn't ready to be a primary option. Not surprising. He was 16th pick of the draft, but he was ready to be a good rotation player or 14th pick of the draft, excuse me. And what, you know, let's see what he is. And I think he's going to be a really good rotation player, but I think he can play as many as 28 minutes a night. So those are two really, really good choices. They weren't my choice. And they weren't the choice of most of the people I was talking to. So let's run down five other choices I think you have on this roster of players that you would think of differently at the end of the season. And ironically, the one I'm not including might actually be the best answer. That's all as we continue here on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. We're just getting started, people. Today's show is brought to you by the most comfortable short you could ever imagine. And that is the Bird Dog. The Bird Dog shorts, just packed them for Sacramento. It's 90 degrees in Sacramento. What was the first thing I grabbed? My Bird Dog shorts. I'll be wearing them in the hotel room because they're super comfy. And I'll be wearing them out and around because they look fine. And if it's 90 degrees, I may wear them to dinner because that's the beauty of the bird dogs. Rather than that stiff, restricting cotton, they figured out a way to use cloud knit fabric that looks like khaki but stretches all the way to get a slimmer fit without having to sacrificing movement. So from my standpoint, perfect. Sitting around the hotel room, awesome. Walk to Temple Coffee today at in Sacramento, awesome. Dinner outside at one of the little cool places in Sacramento. Perfect. And they use the anti-stink sweat wicking factor that keeps you cool and dry all day long. 
which frankly means if I'm on the road, this is a short trip. On a long trip, the Bird Dogs are amazing because I can wear them multiple times. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA to enter your promo code. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA at checkout for free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free water bottle at checkout. And you won't have to take your Bird Dogs off. I promise you, because I'm not. That's what makes them so absolutely terrific. Today's show is also brought to you by Intercap Lending. That's Steve Carter and the crew over at Intercap. I'm such a fan of Steve, the person. Uh, hopefully going to get to check in with him and have lunch with him coming up this week just because it's he's such a great energy guy and such a super personality. But for what you need him for is over at Intercap Lending, he helps you get loans done. Intercap Lending is really a special place. And what... <clears throat> excuse me, what I like the I mean, most impressed by Intercap is how they, they get deals done. What's even better about Intercap is Steve Carter. And he's our own personal loan officer over at Intercap and will take care of you with their hyper-responsive uh, systems and they service their own loans. They're there to help you. It's a mortgage company that's been around for over 40 years, probably 50. I moved to Utah and it's just expanded. They can help you outside of the state of Utah too. So if you're looking for a loan right now or doing some lending, it's not an easy time. You need someone who's really great at it. Steve Carter will do it. 385-885-28 and 385-885-28. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Jazz fans, I can't, these are unofficial, so I'm not allowed to share with you. The amount of people that are watching and subscribing on Jazz Plus is just a testament to how awesome Jazz Nation is. Um, If you have not subscribed to Jazz Plus yet, it is just $125 a season. You get every Jazz game. Bowler is back for Sacramento. So you can watch TV again, and uh, I just strongly suggest it. Jazz are having a scrimmage, and it will be on Jazz Plus. So this is an example of exclusive coverage that you get. You not only get the games, but you get um, things like this. You get the scrimmage coming up, so that'll be great. Check it out. Scrimmage is free and Saturday, so I'd love to see you there. I'm going to head down, um, and I don't have anything to do, so maybe I'll just hang out and chat with you guys. As of right now, I don't have anything to do. They need me to do something, I, of course, would be more than willing to do it. So here's, let me uh, just give some details on the Saturday scrimmage. Let me pull that up and make sure everyone knows. I love the, the Saturday scrimmage is one of my, the open scrimmage is one of my favorite things. All right, here's the deal. Event is free and open to the public and does not require a ticket, family friendly. Um, it will be streamed live on Jazz Plus, as I just mentioned. But if you'd like to come out, it'd be fun to see you. Doors open at 1030 general admission seating. So if you don't mind, get there early, stop by, pick up some bagels at some place. I don't want to give a free plug. Well, I don't know. I go get, I get into the bagel project. Um, free plug. And uh, park at Park Place, it's complimentary. They're making sure that everything, and then there'll be certain small concessions available. And a one-hour event will not include photograph or autograph stations. So just make sure you know that. Um, but it is open and presented by SeatGeek. Um, and kind of nice to SeatGeek to present it because they're not charging you anything to get there. So that's cool. All right. Wow, I really babbled on it. All right, so let's get to the next set of players. So we talked about Ochai and Abaji, of who we Ochai Abaji and Walker Kessler, of who we think differently of at the end of the year. So the most obvious players who have an opportunity to change the perception of who they are and how they're thought of are Taylor Horton Tucker and Colin Sexton. Those are the two. Because I would say Colin 
had such a rocky start in Cleveland where he was last in the league in usage to assist rate and his veteran teammates got upset with him and then he got injured and then he got traded that he's got a restart button and he has a superpower, which is getting to the basket and driving. My, the reason I am not going to take Colin as my choice is I actually think part of the essence of Colin is two or three significant mistakes a night. Getting overzealous. They're always getting overzealous. Getting overzealous, picking up the defense, the guard. He did even to the Jackson Cartwright kid at 35 feet and getting into him. And he, and he did it once on Scoot Henderson. It was brilliant. He forced a turnover. But if I actually know their defense strategies right, it's not where they really want him picked up. But Colin gets into the game and he's fired up and he's Colin Sexton and he's a bulldog and he gets going. And he's young bulls. It's awesome, but it leads to two or three mistakes a night. Drives the lane, jump stops, oh, crap, I got no idea where I'm going to go, and the ball's a turnover and a fast break the other way. And those, to me, are the essence of Colin. I understand them. I'm actually kind of fine with them at this point with Colin. But I do think that they restrict his ceiling. Like, and until he eliminates those, it it's a little bit of like, where are you will, what are you willing to do with Colin? And so... I think Colin's got a chance to have a fabulous year off ball, getting the ball off ball. When he has the ball on ball, I feel like he really gets, it really takes away his zest playing into his zest, but playing into his zest, which is what I think he could be great at also leads to some mistakes. Is my point. Taylor, Taylor's got a massive opportunity. Every indicator is that Taylor Horton Tucker's our starting point guard on opening night. And how many of those 82 games does he start at point guard this year? I think it's a really interesting debate and question you guys can have amongst yourselves of like, does he make it, as the starting point guard for all 82, does Chris Dunn come in and start at some point? Does Keontae George come in and start at some point? Um, does Colin Sexton? I don't think Colin Sexton. Um, I think Jordan establishes himself in the lineup, which establishes Colin coming off the bench. Those two are perfect. Well done by our coaching staff. And now you figure out the other three guys. So Taylor's super interesting because frankly, if Taylor shoots 36% from three or finishes at the rim better, it's a game changer. Like that, that's really the issue right there. There are two very distinctive things that we can look at Taylor Horton Tucker's game. And if he were to do either of these two things, it's a game changer. And with one of the most unique bodies in the NBA, six foot four with a seven one wingspan and a 230 pound frame. If he suddenly starts to finish at the rim. Last year, he was in the 17th percentile of all rim finishing at 57%, according to Clean the Glass. And he was in the 10th percentile in all three-point shooting at 29%. Those are two big, huge warts on an otherwise pretty good offensive resume and powerhouse. So if he suddenly can do either of those two things, and you couple in the fact that like he's in the 70th percentile in shooting fouls drawn, and he's the 76th percentile and on the floor is drawn. Like you start to kind of put together the fact that he's a really good rebounding guard. He's in the 65th percentile rebounding for both his possessions. Um, you start to put in the fact that he, you know, his assist rate was just kind of crazy last year. I couldn't believe it. He's in the 99th percentile of all wing players. Now, obviously, he's going to be a point guard, so that's a little different. Um, and maybe you've got to make that adjustment on how you view him. If he can do either of those two things, shoot the three or finish at the rim, 
Talon is the player we're talking about here who will think of most differently because then it's a game changer. And the th- I don't I actually don't know which is more important. Maybe the three. But that gets super interesting. So there's a likely case scenario, though. You're all screaming at me, what about John Collins? Now, John Collins is the really obvious choice because of the fact that he's the one coming in. He's new. He's getting a new system. He's not playing with Trey Young, and we've turned Trey Young into the devil in our minds because of the fact that he's been restricting our guy, John Collins, and now we're all in on this. Here's the reason I'm not with John Collins in this answer. Because I think the comparison to Lowry has one flaw. Well, one Lowry might be just great. And the one flaw I think is that when, and actually Lowry's the one who pointed this out to me, is that last year when Lowry came to the Utah Jazz, there was no pecking order. There were three players back. Mike Conley, Rudy Gay, Jordan Clarkson, oh, and Udo uh, uh, Azabuke. So there were four. So really two. And so nobody knew anyone. There was no on-the-court or off-court relationships. There was no pecking order. It was all being reformed, and Lowry stepped into that and became the man. John Collins is coming to an established team, both on-floor and off-floor. Personalities, relationships. And so he has to assimilate in. It's not the same thing as getting this blank slate that Lowry got a year ago of opportunity. I also think Lowry's incredibly gifted and was the seventh pick of a draft. And John Collins is like the 20-something pick of the draft, which was low considering his jumping ability and some things. But Lowry's an elite physical specimen that maybe 10 guys in the NBA can match. And so I don't think the opportunity will be there as much for John or that John's as amazing a per, uh, player physical specimen in Lowry Markins. I think John Collins could have a nice year and get back on track, but I don't think we'll think about him differently. Which leads us to everybody else's choice, which was Chris Dunn. Not mine, but everybody else's. Everybody else in the conversation went with Chris Dunn, which was the implication that they thought that Chris Dunn could probably become the starting point guard at some point in time this year, and that Chris Dunn reestablishes himself, and frankly, first time established himself. If we're truly, Chris Dunn was the, um, was the number one or number five pick of the draft out of Providence and honestly never established himself as the number five pick of the draft out of Providence. So Chris Dunn establishes himself. His rookie year, 78 games in Minnesota, he played 17 games. He shot 38%. He had the rookie year that most rookies have that Keontae could very easily have this year. And we shouldn't worry about if it happens. And then he goes to Chicago in the Lowry, in the trade with Lowry Markinen, and he does play, but he plays only 52 and only 46 games and only 51 the year after that. Like he just doesn't stay healthy and he doesn't get a role. So that Chris Dunn actually establishes himself as a bona fide high level rotation NBA player. Pretty good. I'll give everyone in the group credit. The leader of the conversation, everybody else, I'll give them credit. That was a pretty darn good question or good answer to the question. Because that is it. We all love Chris Dunn for his 22 games, which were the best 22 games. But the rest of the league does not see him as a bona fide rotation player in the NBA at this point. And if he does what I think everyone thinks he could do, he's a bona fide established rotation player, established himself as what he was as a fifth pick of the draft, elite defender, play 25 minutes, maybe even start as a point guard in the NBA. 
that would be a pretty dramatic change and everyone else I, I give credit is probably right. It was not my choice. I will share with you who my choice was next. And we still need to do the Eastern Conference points gained, which I'm babbling so much today. I don't know that we're actually going to get to, um, but I will do my best um, to see if I can get that for you. That uh, all coming up as we continue here on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in the action. The app is so easy to use with a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of... The NFL checking the lines in the book right now at the NF at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, they have a fun one always. They open up the day with their four um, kind of things that might happen. And so they have Marcus Seaman recording a hit. Kyle Tucker, who is your baseball, to record a hit. You can, like, bet those um, Astros and Rangers today. And so that, that's the headliner on everything there. Um, NHL odds available for you as well. College football as well. Penn State, Ohio State, three versus seven. Ohio State is a four and a half point favorite. Air Force versus Navy, tribute to those guys. Air Force, a 10 and a half point favorite and other ranked matchups this weekend. Alabama is playing at ten, home against Tennessee. They're an eight and a half point favorite. That's all at FanDuel. Go check it out and get your bonus bets as a newest member of FanDuel. My choice is Lowry Marketing. My choice is Lowry Markkinen. I think right now, when you look at NBA, ESPN's NBA rank and the Ringers' NBA rank, that Lowry Markkinen is ranked about, I think he was ranked, I'll look it up, on NBA rank at about 28. And I think there's a real chance that Lowry Markkinen's 13 at the end of the year. I think Lowry Markkinen has another shot. He was 28 on ESPN rank. He'll be ranked higher than Brandon Ingram, higher than Drew Holiday, higher than Pascal Siakam. Don't know about Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard dictates that. Higher than De'Aaron Fox, higher than Demonis Sabonis, who I love. Maybe higher than Tyrese Halliburton, who should make a jump. Higher than Carl Anthony Towns. Like if you're jumping these players, higher than Jalen Brown, higher than Paul George, Jamal Murray. I don't know. I think Jamal Murray's going to have a huge year. Uh, higher than Bam Adebayo. I don't know. We're up to like 15 now. Higher than Donovan Mitchell. Oh, that would be interesting. Higher than Dame Lillard. Oh, that would be interesting. Higher than Anthony Edwards. Oh, that would be interesting. We're up to 13. That's the jump that I think Lowry Marketing could make this year. And if Lowry Marketing makes that jump, it's way, he won't win most improved player for it, but it's way more impressive. Way more impressive than if you make the jump from the what he well what he did last year was unranked to 28 that's amazing but the rank from the jump from 110 to 70 the jump from 115 to 80 which is kind of what Taylor and Kyle will be making the jump from first year player to second year player that Walker and Ochai are making the jump John Collins would make which is like from a 99 to to maybe 60 is pretty impressive uh, the jump we talked about with Chris Dunn to establish yourself as a player. But to me, 
the most impressive jump that anyone could make this year that would make us think of them differently than they did before is Lowry Markinen going from 28 to 15, 28 to 10. And I think he's going to 10. Well, 10's a little rich for my blood, but somewhere in there, 10's really elite. Like I like the ringers 10 better than ESPN's 10, but because ESPN's 10 didn't have Devin Booker or Jimmy Butler on it. But like if Lowry's going to, why did I say Lowry 10? Anthony Edwards is 10. LeBron is nine. Shea is eight. Kevin Durant's seven. Booker's 11. Jimmy Butler's 12. Jason Tatum, like, and then we're into the elite of the elite, right? Giannis, Steph, Jokic, Luca. So I don't think, I, I don't think I can get Lowry inside top 15. Um, but I think we could get Lowry knocking on top 15. And if Lowry knocks on top 15, that's pretty awesome. So super interesting question. All right. I don't have time for the Eastern Conference points gained. I will tomorrow. Um, so I'm trying to think if I can give you, for those, I'm trying to see, what can I tell you that you just listened to so you don't feel as though I just totally ripped you off? even though I teased it and have it over on the little side and then I never got it to you. I feel kind of bad, but I don't want to ruin it. All right, here, I'll give you two little tidbits and we'll talk about them tomorrow. The number one offense in the Eastern Conference is the Philadelphia 76ers if James Harden were to actually play, which he seems not going to do. Number Tease number two, I still believe Cleveland will be the number one seed in the East this year. Tease number three from points gained is Milwaukee didn't come out well. We'll talk about tomorrow. And tease number four is nor did Atlanta. And a surprise team did come out well. That's for tomorrow's edition of Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in. Appreciate you. Have a great day.